Welcome back to that rugby podcast hosted by Sports Booth. Husey, it's a monumental week in the rugby world. I mean, we we spoke here a week ago, uh, having a couple of key discussions, and it, fe- it feels like at least my rugby world's turned upside down. I don't know about yourself, mate. It's been a packed week for rugby, that's for sure. Um, I think we've seen the rugby world united as we never have before. Um, and positives and negatives to that. Uh, <laughs> the circumstances, I mean, as, as is the way with, with things, often it takes a negative force to bring people together, you know. World War Two, for example, not <laughs> not saying that Owen Farrell is well. You know, we'll get onto that discussion later. But uh, you know, uh, it it was great to see a lot of people speaking up on that particular issue, which, as I said, we'll get to later. But also, just big results uh, from the weekend uh, with the Wallabies as well. It's been a whirlwind week of just news story after news story, which not all positive, but hey. Any press is good press, particularly being able to get a new slot in this week with the Women's uh, Football World Cup going on, uh, which was a tremendous event hosted by Australia and New Zealand. So go us Anzacs, uh, by the way, there. Um, being called the best World Cup ever. Who knows what that'll mean then for the Rugby World Cup. We've got to pull off something equally as good, if not better. Uh, and we've got uh, years to, four years to prepare to do it. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of uh, media attention in there. And, yeah, just lots of other stuff to go on. And we're going to cover it all today, so likely to be a big episode. But I guess we best get started with results from the weekend. Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I feel like this is going to be a quick run through of the games over the weekend just because there's so yeah. much, I guess, I don't want to say political, but so much in the world of rugby rather than the game itself um, that has some intrigue around it. So games from the past week slash weekend, Tonga versus Canada. Tonga ran out winners again. Comfortably enough. Um, Samoa versus the Barbarians. Samoa uh, won that game when we saw Ben Lamb and Lima Sopoonga make their debuts. Uh, then we had the Springboks absolutely annihilate Wales, and which was a yeah. statement game for them, but an interesting game. And uh, we'll, we'll wrap this up after, after I finish with the results. Georgia beating the USA uh, to keep their run going. Ireland dominating England, another controversial red card uh, for the English there. Italy beating Romania, Romania convincingly, and France holding off Fiji um, in the end to win, but two games that look very good going into the World Cup. Yeah, uh, so, I think that's the I think that's the under the radar result of the week. I think you know obviously South Africa versus Wales and Ireland versus England will take the headlines, but. France versus Fiji, that is a good result for the Fiji team. You know, obviously any loss is a loss, but that's the kind of scoreline that Six Nations teams were having against France. Those are the kind of results that other Tier 1 nations have been having uh, against France. So it's showing the quality of the Fiji side that they're able to step up against the big opponents on their home turf. So, yeah, another warning shot fired for the pool that the Wallabies are in. Yeah, totally. And I think other than missing DuPont and a couple other pieces, like it was a pretty strong French team. And the Fijians yeah. didn't name their strongest team either. So, look, that, but the Springboks were the big movers in my eyes. They put on a, a classy performance. But, but this week will be interesting how they plan ahead of playing the All Blacks in Twickenham and what yeah. team we see. Because the question now eludes me was that a great performance by the Springboks or are Wales that far off? You know what I mean? Like, is that how far Wales and England off? I know Ireland didn't absolutely put England to the sword, but Ireland are building in a way like this was Ireland's first game. This is South Africa. We these these uh, southern sides have been building for a while. So yeah, I don't want to jump ahead of myself and go South Africa back. Like, yeah. but I I I am definitely. I'd have a count South Africa out there in a World Cup year. Yeah, exactly. But I don't want to. Count them out, but I don't want to lift them up too much because I just don't know about the level of opposition. Yes, England yep. and Wales had traded punches, but we saw, to my to my opinion, England were well handled by in Ireland. They did the job that they needed to get themselves prepared. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm real like that. Pool of yours is becoming an intriguing competition because you have Georgia, who I think are now on a three game win streak. Fiji looking like they have potentially their best World Cup opportunity. 
Am I in the right pool? Have I still got the right pool? Are you? Yeah, 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 you're in the right pool. Uh, Wales, who are all over the shop, and then obviously you Wallabies, who um, are, are lacking a win in the 2023 season yet. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's, but if the, it's it's great for the Wallabies because it means they're going to get be challenged in their pool games and they're going to learn from those experiences, but they're still going to be winnable games, right? And it's really going to show the metal of this uh, Wallabies team where they are now. Uh, and we're, we're going to talk about the Wallabies later and, uh, and and things like that and uh, our opinions on what's been said and done. But look, it's, uh, you know, you get forged in fire, as they say. Totally, yeah. And yeah, it's one of those pools where I think if you're a strong team in that pool, Australia and Wales, and you make it through that pool, you know, that's a bright step. Like, that, like you know, you, you've only got one really game where you can, I don't want to say ease off, but, like, you know, like, is it Romania? Please tell me. Is it Portugal? One of the two. It's Portugal, I think. Portugal. Which, really interesting, because Australia A are playing Portugal this uh, weekend. So And Portugal have yep. had some decent results leading up. Like, they won well against the USA, I think it was maybe last week. Um, so, look. It'll be interesting how that game goes, and we'll see where Portugal's at, um, because that's a that's a pretty decent Australian A side. Uh, yeah. But let's let's get on to I guess the the biggest talking point in world rugby at the moment. Maybe the biggest talking point in world rugby this year up until the World Cup. Like I don't think we've had a bigger talking point. The Owen Farrell Circus, and oh, and the reason yeah. I say circus is I I I don't know if you've seen the interview with obviously his dad uh, um, Farrell from Ireland head coach and. It's funny because I saw the headline first where he said this is a circus and it's borderline disgusting, rah, rah, rah. And you see the headline and you're like, okay, that's just a dad standing up for their, their son. But you actually watch the interview. I went back and managed to find the interview. And he gets asked a question about it, obviously. Like, you'd be a dumb reporter not to ask that question. But it's like his original answer is like, look, I really don't want to answer this, but you're going to sit here and probably pepper me with art questions because he said it doesn't, doesn't matter. He said my opinion means little. It was just like, like it was a very smart approach, like the way um, Farrell went about it. Dad Farrell, not son Farrell. Um, but uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I like the way he went about it, but it has turned into a bit of a circus. So I know my opinions on it, yeah. and I've said them in the video a little bit. I want to hear your opinions and your thoughts on the situation we're currently in with Owen Farrell. Yeah. I think when last week we were – what we were debating was, is he going to get three weeks or six weeks, right? The fact that he's got zero weeks, I think, has blown everyone's minds. Uh, and it's hard to hard to justify no time, right? I think the fact that it's no time at all is a huge slap in the face to the rest of rugby, right? Like, even if it was just a reduced sentence, so to speak, right, like two weeks or something, I think that'd be an easier pill to swallow. I think you'd still get some calls for uh, preferential treatment, um, but it wouldn't be nearly as bad as him getting off scot-free, basically. Uh, for my mind, I'm glad World Rugby has appealed this because, you know, there's the classic things that have been brought up, and I've really been reading a few articles on the Raw lately, uh, lately, uh, where they've talked about lately. this issue, uh, the raw lately, yeah, the the, <laughs> the law lately, yeah, the raw lately, where they brought up this issue uh, a couple of times as as they should, uh, and, and spoken about it, and you know, compared it to other rulings around, um, such as I believe it's the uh, Tongan player who's been given George Moala, yes, yeah. yep, yeah, um, for a first time offence. Yes, it is something that's worthy of a ban. Maybe not ten weeks though. And then in comparison, how can you say that Farrell, you know, a repeat offender, who has also been given a red card, can get zero weeks? I just, I, I don't understand. And you really, anyone defending Farrell. I don't think I saw a single person come to his defense. Maybe social media had just decided I didn't want to see the opinions of any English people, which, you know, so, so thank you, Zuckerberg and Musk. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, it was really, and you saw a lot of rugby players uh, actually speak up on social media about it, and or repost or, or like things where it was critical of the decision and comparing it to George Moala. So uh, I think it's the right move by World Rugby to have this appealed because 
yeah, it's just it's not a good look for the game that, you know, in the lower levels, they've banned tackling above the waist now in English rugby. So how are you how are you going to have, you know, posters on clubhouse walls saying, you know, tackle the waist or below, and yet the poster child for the game is slamming his shoulder into people's heads? Yeah, um, that is such a fantastic point. Like, and that is where yeah. I think I was <laughs> I was pushing on this is to me, I look at it and I go, Look, you look at Michael Leach's red card, which we showed, which is, I think, a very similar tackle, if not less force within the tackle. Three-week ban, everything like that. Like you said, if we ever did come out of three-week ban, we probably would have gone like, oh, pretty lenient, but it's a ban, it's a ban, yeah. whatever. I don't, I still, to this day, don't understand how that um, independent judicial board, whatever it is, panel, came to the decision that it was a, it wasn't, it shouldn't have been a red card. Like, Free Australians, and I don't want to chuck my hands at brethren under the bus, but I don't, I don't understand what they're watching. And and like someone commented on my um, YouTube video, oh, it's not World Rugby's fault, you know. But I'm like, it is World Rugby's fault because this is the decision they've decided that this is the process. And I'm like, if that judicial panel, which it changes each time, I get it. It does. I'm not bothered by that. But if they're not all thinking the same and thinking exactly like you said, contact to the head. There, this, that. What are we doing? Like, there's you. You can't have it both ways, World Rugby. It's either yeah. we are stopping players from hitting the head, or we're not, and we're letting that that play on type thing. So it was it was the fact, and the wording when they released it was that they said the review, like the bunker review guy, review match official, got it wrong. And I just sat there and I went, No, he fucking didn't. He he only had eight minutes, and he was the only one to get it right. So what we're realistically doing, if we do it like you said. World Rugby's now reviewing it. So World Rugby have gone, you said someone, you said the match review official was wrong and we actually think you're wrong. And it's like, yeah. so now we're just like going around in circles and it is a circus. Like, again, yeah. I'm, I'm big on, this isn't Owen Farrell's fault that this is a circus. And if Owen Farrell got off because they had a really good lawyer, like, fair play to them. But it sh like I said in the video, it shouldn't come down. Rugby isn't about who's got the best lawyer, it's who's got yeah. the best players on the field at the time. Availability is the best ability, as we always say on this podcast. So you've got to make yourself available. And I don't think, like I said on the, I don't think Owen Farrell is a, a dirty player. I don't think he goes out there with an intention to hurt people. He's obviously got a league background and as well, like father played league. Um, he His tackle technique isn't great. We all know that. Like It isn't. Yeah. He tackles hard, like he is a hard tackler for a first five fly half, but he borderlines with his technique yeah. in the new it's age of the reckless. game. Reckless, a great, yes, exactly. It is reckless and it's dangerous and it puts himself in trouble and in potential trouble, which we've seen now. So I just go, I don't think this is definitely not on Owen Farrell. Like I don't think people go, Owen Farrell, you're the cock that did this and this is all your fault and you've done this and you don't, you deserve 10 week and George Moala. It's like, no, we're seeing this as a rugby discussion to have, and it's just it's unfortunate. It's more on, like, He's English, the English rugby, because they're the ones that have the lawyers, because they're the ones trying to get him on the on the field and stuff. Like, I get that, I get that, but the anger is probably going to be directed towards Owen Farrell for the one that put the hit on in the first place. Like, if he still comes through this with no ban, I think you're going to see him targeted a lot in uh, the English, in all the games England plays throughout the tournament, right? He's going to be hit very, very hard, and I think you'll see a few... Reckless tackles come his way as well, um, because he's been made the, made the face of this controversy. I don't, I don't think he can possibly get away without a ban. Like I think, I think we'll end this at three weeks, and I'm not even that angry about it. Uh, free matches, whatever it is, yeah. um, and I can get it. I can get behind the idea. I, I said this in the uh, in, in the most most recent video, which I was actually discussing the like trying to restructure the Rugby World Cup, and I said, I no one wants to miss the best players in the world, no one wants to see them miss the Rugby World Cup. Like, if we can avoid them missing... So I'm yeah. annoyed with George Moala missing it. I'm annoyed with, like, uh, Peter Labashay from Japan who's going to miss a couple of games. You don't want that. I understand, like, we've got to uphold and how we can manage yeah. that, I'm not sure. Like, I haven't got the answers. Like I said, we could go to a, a fine system before mm. the Rugby World Cup, stuff like that. Because we don't, like... Again, if this was Bowden Barrett, and let's say Bowden Barrett, I would be... Annoyed to see a six-week ban 
because I don't get to see him play rugby more than, and I know he's put himself in that position. Totally understand that, but yeah. I, I just yeah, I, I, I don't I don't have the answers, but I don't I, I want to see Owen Farrell. I, w- I would like to beat an England team that includes Owen Farrell, and I get my chance to give the smug face redemption. It's a smug face redemption. That's yeah. all I'm looking for. He hit me with it. He hit yeah. my soul with it in 2019. All I want to see is a cheeky wee smug face redemption. But he needs to be playing for that to happen. So I don't want to see him miss it, but I don't have the answers for that. Yeah, and, well, and as well, it's been compounded by another English player receiving a red card, uh, Billy Vunapolo, uh, you know, uh, receiving a red card as well. So now this whole England team has become mired in controversy uh, around their tackling technique. And it's just, you know, this is an England side that started off the year poorly uh, with uh, firing their coach and getting an interim coach in Australia, swooping on that coach, then performing terribly at the Six Nations and then not really having any great performances since, right? You know, getting beaten by Wales, barely beating them in Twickenham and now getting spanked by Ireland. So this is yet another uh, another uh, incident on top of a terrible year for English rugby. Totally, totally. I Yeah, uh, when we talk about our predictions, I... I imagine both of us are seeing an early exit for the English um, with the way things are going. I just can't see them yeah. turning around this quickly. Yeah, like like yes, they may get well, through the group actually, stage. Actually, it, de- it depends on where they finish in their pool, to be, to be quite honest, right? Because if they finish first in their pool, they'll play the second-place team from our pool, and that will probably be a win for them. Well, if see, I'm interested, come... though, because... We say that, but this game this weekend is going to be really interesting because, look, they've, like you said, they've traded with Wales, so Wales yeah. could finish second in your pool. This game against Fiji on the weekend, say Fiji yeah. do win this game, I sit there and I go, fuck, there is no guarantee, even if they win their pool, they beat a Fiji in France. Like, yeah. Even if Fiji's close, let's say it's a, it's a, with a one to seven point win to England, I have zero confidence to yeah, bet on England going into that Fiji game. So, yeah, look, look, I see what you mean. Look, totally. it's, it's, but it's the, they, they are fortunate. Uh, us and England are fortunate of the pools that we're in compared to uh, New Zealand, France, Italy, South Africa, Ireland, Scotland. And even now, I'm going to throw in there Tonga as well. Right? Could you just but, imagine being a Scottish fan right now, how pissed uh, off be, you must be? Yeah. <laughs> you just think you're in either pool C or pool D. You stand a good chance of... You're definitely in the top two of any of those pools, and you stand a good chance of topping any of those pools. A really good chance of making a semi as a Scottish fan, and yeah. now you're looking at it and you're like, to make a semi, we have to beat two of the top four teams, potentially three of them. Like, <laughs> yeah, yep, yeah. Well, if you want to win a World Cup, that's what you've got to beat the best yeah. teams. Got to beat the best. Um, Shall we talk about? Let's get on to the Aussies. Uh, enough of our yes. Farrell and the and the there's a uh, lot controversy. To, there's a lot to talk about here with the with the Aussies. Um, few different things. So let's start with, I guess, Eddie Jones's interview, uh, explosive interview. I would say, um, I guess, yeah, from coming at it from an Aussie fan's perspective, uh, I'm a bit on Eddie's side here. Actually, I get pissed off with. It seems like Preston Australia has a permanent negative opinion about rugby. Yeah, I mean, I was just listening to uh, the radio the other day uh, on a station that has former Wallabies on it in the form of Wendell Saylor, right? And in segments where they talk about the Wallabies, where they're just completely trashing the Wallabies in the World Cup. And it's like, you know, rugby is just the, uh, you know... Ugly stepchild. Exactly. It's the... And I'm, I'm hoping it's the Cinderella of Australian sport at the moment so that, you know, it's the <laughs> it's the ugly child forced to do all the housework and then it comes through and has, you know, is the bell of the ball. Yeah, it blossoms. We ride that uh, that pumpkin turns into a carriage, the pumpkin being Eddie Jones, of course, giving his head. <laughs> um, anyway, but he said so he took the media to task, really, um, and for a few things that weren't his fault, like the communication about the team. So apparently Rugby Australia lost their director of communications or something like that. I was reading on this. So, so since that point, a lot of communication about things Wallabies related has been really poor. So that's why the announcement of the team about when the team would be released was delayed, which we were complaining about the other week. Uh, it's because the member, the director who's in charge of all those things, uh, left sense. or something like that. Yeah. Um, I didn't. I don't remember the full circumstances. And it's also that's also with the 
why the team list was communicated to the media so late and things like that, uh, and why it was so poorly set up where the people who were included on the team were all invited to that location before the team announcement. So they were spent all day at this location where there was very visible to the media um, before the official team list was released, um, and thus there were leaks and things like that, which has spiraled into the Quaid problem, which we'll get onto as well. And now Eddie has to front the media about the team choices in something where there should have been already a conversation had at another time about the team selections, which wasn't had because the media communications director wasn't part of it. So where he's coming into an interview, ready to talk about the team he has at hand and what their plans are for the World Cup and how they're going to perform in the World Cup. Instead, he's getting grilled on players that aren't there, like um, Quade Cooper and Michael Hooper and things like that. And so I can understand his frustration about it, particularly when the questions are couched in such negative terms as well. And yeah, I feel like it's something that will really develop an attitude of us against the world in the Wallabies team. Um, and he's sticking up for his blokes that are there. So, cause all the blokes totally. that he's picked, right. They're the ones that are essentially getting criticized because they're people are saying, why are you here and not someone else? And so all of those blokes are going to be feeling what well, my country doesn't even want me to be here representing them, which is a terrible thing. And it's so, so negative. And I, I really hate it. Right. And I'm glad that Eddie, you know, if it was Dave Rennie, Dave Rennie would have been sitting there like, yep, we've chosen the best players available for the positions. You know, he's just he'd no expression on Dave Rennie's yeah. face. That's, that's just who he is, right? I'm, Eddie's got a bit of fire about it, and I think that's what Australian players will respond to and I, better. I, I think I really like what Eddie's done here as well because, as you said, what, what it's done is taken the pressure off those players because all you're reading now about is Eddie's lost the plot again. Eddie's done this. Eddie's done this. And as you said, you know, sometimes... Any news is good news, and and for Australian rugby, it is you know like we said, like man, I, I I've seen more headlines about Aussie rugby the past you know week than uh, I would have thought I would have yeah. ever read in my life um, again. So I just and I think the team all seems to be standing behind him. You know, even just little things like they're all wearing the Akubras there. Uh, they're all hanging out in France together. Like the team all seems like they're together. Um, totally. I saw a few pictures of Max Jorgensen actually. Uh, on Instagram, it looks like he's bulked out a Definitely. little bit. Which I, I think saw, it's good. I saw, I saw some Instagram shots uh, of him with the boys, and I was like, "The lad's been hitting the gym." I mean, he's, what did yeah. he do? Is did an MCL, I think it was. So yeah. he's probably there just just pumping the iron, uh, giving which is the good. He needs to improve him as a defender, and like that's where you know, oftentimes these young kids they come into the game and they fill out, and that's when they get better a couple of years. I notice it a lot in the NRL, actually. Yeah, like These totally. kids come in like 18, 19, they're still a bit undersized and as the years sort of go on, they stack up a little bit, stack up size a little bit but don't lose uh, too much of their speed which is, I'm hoping Jorgensen's going to do that early because he is a freak and I think he's going to be a great weapon for Australia going forward. Um, but there's some other points that have come out as well. So Australia's attack coach, I believe it was Brad Davis? Brad, don't know. Yeah, Brad Brad Davis, he has he has quit uh, yeah. for the same personal reasons, personal <laughs> reasons, reasons or something like that. Family reasons, who who can say? Um, yeah. I just before and then you they've, they've hired in place they've hired in place Jason Riles. Yeah, just before you go on here, I everyone knows it's not easy to be an assistant on Eddie Jones's coaching staff yeah. like that's a well-known thing now like if you're going to be an assistant or on the coaching staff of eddie jones yeah. be prepared to work hard be prepared to do the dirty work and and really get involved and get your hands dirty basically it's, it's a well-known thing some people aren't up to it and some people don't want yeah. to do that and some people the stress may get to you and you want to take that out and so look he's left and it can be on the eve of the world cup Again, it could have been a spat with, it could have been personal reasons as well, but then Eddie Jones did fire a parting shot where he said, we've got a chance to improve. And in all honesty, I, I again, I like that. Like It's a, another tip to the cat. Like, everyone's going to be thinking about, talking about Eddie Jones, but like you said, the players are backing him. I'm sure he's having internal talks that are a lot different to what he's portraying 
um, at the moment, which is a bit of a, I feel like he's got a bit of a Joker um, vibe to him. You know what I mean? Like yeah. putting on that bad guy mask, that bad guy persona, and just taking all the attention away while the uh, Wallabies go to work. And I, I think I, I think it's going to do wonders for the young squad that he selected. Yeah, and uh, Riles as well uh, was um, obviously was heavily sought after in the NRL world this year. My own drags pursued him and didn't manage to lock him down. He's going to join the Melbourne Storm. But in the meantime, he's going to join Eddie with the Wallabies, uh, where he was actually previously an assistant to Eddie uh, uh, for England, actually, during their last World Cup run. So, so look, he's been there, done that. This is, been there, this done that. Obviously got some success as well. Uh, it's going to be really, really interesting, I think. You know, obviously, England made it to the final in the last World Cup. So uh, whatever those two had cooking between them, Last World Cup obviously worked. worked. It wouldn't um, surprise me, and just knowing again Eddie getting his uh, Joker mix going on, um, if Eddie like when he left the parting shot, it was like we could improve here. If Riles gave him a little tap on the shoulder, a little SMS, you know, a little text message said, "Eddie, I'm available for three yeah. months because my my Storm deal doesn't start till next year. Um, I'd like to go hang out in the south of France." Coach the boys yeah. to one of the most famous World Cup wins if, if, you, if you have me. And Eddie goes, well, uh, this attack coach has only deli- deli- delivered me minimal points and minimal opportunities, you know, out with the one and in with the new one. Um, it works out quite well and his hands are clean. So, uh, look, Eddie's, Eddie's a mastermind at this coaching thing, you know. Uh, it's it's like you say, don't doubt South Africa in the Rugby World Cup. You don't ever doubt out Eddie Jones without fully... Sitting back and watching and waiting. Give the man time and he will turn, you know, turn whatever we've got at the moment in Aussie rugby into gold. So I'm interested. Yeah. But I would love to hear your take on the Quaid versus Eddie. I don't want to say debacle. Discussion. Yeah, it's a tough one because Quaid has been a great, you know, the, the, I like the phrase, um, he's been a good servant of the game. He's been a good servant of Australian rugby. But he's just sort of, I guess, it sounds like he's taken himself out of communication, right? Um, from, you know, Eddie said he hasn't been able to reach him. And that's part of what sort of seemed to piss him off during the um, press conference was he said, uh, look, I've tried to be in communication with him. I have been able to reach him. I can't answer any of your questions on it. And he's still getting hammered with questions on it. So it's a bit like, why did I even bother saying anything? Uh, uh, which I get because I've had that experience before with a variety of different things. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you just wonder why did I bother even speaking? Um, and for me, I, 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 again, this also comes down to a bit of this communications issue where the director of communications is not there or whatever, and the squad team, the squad gets leaked before Eddie has a chance to speak with um, Quay. But from what Eddie said, he said he tried to contact Quay to let him know he wasn't in the squad and wasn't able to get onto him, and now he's not made himself available for Australia either. For me, yeah, it's disappointing for Quaid, but I feel like Australia A was always going to be like an opportunity for him to get back into the Wallaby squad anyway. Uh, that's my feeling. My thought process was, and it could be completely wrong to what Eddie's was, was that Quaid was going to go over as part of Australia A to let Donaldson have a crack in this trial match against France or to be on the bench against the trial match against France and see how Donaldson goes. And then Quaid would be called back up to the Wallabies after that. That was what my thought process was. And Eddie seemed to, th- from what it sounds like, Eddie wanted Quaid in Australia, A, so that he could be called up uh, if needed. Maybe not the specific circumstances I outlined, but maybe some other circumstances. Mm-hmm. And then to make himself not available for that, I think it's a really, for me, I'm disappointed in Quaid. Uh, and I'm disappointed his Wallabies career has to sort of come to an end like that. And as well, like, he is a strong person. I would have thought he would have handled this with a bit of a different attitude than what he has. I don't know that. I haven't been able to look into – I can't look into his mind and see what he's thinking and and how he's feeling, you know. Uh, Come on, therapist therapist Husey, hit us with, how's Quaid feeling? Yeah. (laughs) Look, he he hasn't performed. That's just the simple truth of it. He hasn't performed up to the level – that Eddie might have wanted to name him. To, to, uh, he hasn't outperformed Carter Gordon. Carter Gordon is clearly their number one. 
and I feel like Eddie's machinations are at work, but Quaid, just like much like I can't read, read Quaid's mind or I can't read Eddie's mind, Quaid can't read Eddie's mind either. So he doesn't know what Eddie's planning and playing at. And so when something gets leaked about how he's not in the squad, um, then he's going to get pissed by that, and he's going to go and he's gone incommunicado. And now Eddie can't get on the horn to him and say, "Hey, Quaid, listen, it's this is just you know it's a circumstance that I said is true. We're just benching you for this trial game against France so we can give Donaldson a run to see where he's at in uh, with the and get him a chance to gel with the rest of the team because you know I want to carry um, three first fives into the tournament." Uh, but I also want to get some of my other forwards uh, into this game. So we're going to drop you to Australia A for one game, and then we'll call you back up. Or, hey, we're going to put you in Australia A for a couple of games, and then we'll call you up during the pool stages um, to to get you in there, and then also to give you a rest so Donaldson can have a run, things like that. Like, there's a myriad of circumstances that could have taken here. Yeah. And the fact that Quaid has made himself unavailable for communication by Eddie means that none of those possibilities can now come into play. Right? My... My issue, and I totally, I see what you're saying, is this should have happened. Like, this should have happened before squad naming. If Eddie, for a senior player, for a, if you were going to, if you had decided and you had sat there, because I'm sure the squad, you know, like we said that, all those, I'm sure the squad got named the day before. If you knew that was yeah. happening, I would have had Quaid on the blower straight away. Not, not because of Quaid's experience or anything like that, but you're only taking one first five, as you've said it. I know you've got Ben Donaldson. Totally agree with all the Ben Donaldson stuff. If, say, the worst of luck was to come down and the All Blacks fans know how bad it can get with first fives getting injured, as we ended up with Stephen Donald, but you go now, let's say the worst of the worst happens, Carter, Carter Gordon goes down. Then Ben Donaldson goes down. Who do you turn to? Like, it's just to me, it was... It's Bernard Foley. It is. It's definitely Bernard Foley now. And let's say, let's say the worst of the worst happens, Bernard Foley goes down. Now where do we go? Like again, it's so <laughs> like legitimately it, it we we are yeah. because Noel Olosio is over in Toulouse or Toulon and in France already. I don't know if he can be pulled in like that. But to me, it just it seems like for someone I know he wasn't in great form and I know he didn't bounce back from the injury as we at all hoped he would have. But for someone who could be so vital to the to the squad, I I just I sat there and I was like it's. It's one of the, and again, me, communication. It, I understand yeah, it. Like, exactly. yeah, I think like, it was, like you I said, think, it's, Eddie can't be, I, I can't put leaked. too much fault on Eddie either. Like, this yeah. isn't me blaming Eddie, because Eddie's got a thousand things to focus about, focus on. Like, but this yeah. should have been somewhere in Australia's line that we're going to communicate this, even if it wasn't Eddie and it was the backs coach or someone close to Quaid. And I know it got leaked, but just somewhere along the line, the communication had to be better. And and like you said, it could have been because yeah. they've lost this director of communication that it's all kind of like Eddie's trying to keep up and it's a sinking ship at, at not, not the Wallabies, but the communication part of it. And so it makes it hard. I definitely, I don't want to put blame on Eddie, but I don't want to put, I don't think this is a terrible reaction from Quaid. Like, mm. Like, you've just seen what you thought is your World Cup dream snapped. You've heard it in a leak, not from the coach. The yeah. coach still hasn't called you. Let's say you got it leaked. Let's say the squad, you got it leaked at, let's say he amazingly got it leaked at, like, 9 p.m. the night before. And then all day you're waiting for a call and you don't get a call. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, bugger it, turning off my phone. I know I'm not in the squad. Squad gets named, then, you know, the night of or whatever, Eddie tries to call him. Whatever happened... We don't know what happened, obviously, like you said. Can't read minds. But to me, this it's just, it's not a good situation for anyone. No, it's, 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 I, I think there's blame on all sides. Um, but there was an opportunity. I guess the, 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 the end of it stops with, with Quaid because he's the player at the end of the day and he's the one that has decided to now cut off communication. Um, you know, we've all been, told or found out terrible news in a terrible way right but the way that we deal with that defines us um and sometimes we don't handle that well i know i certainly have it in the past um and uh it, it's 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 understandable but disappointing yeah yeah i i agree i agree like it's disappointing not to see quaid out there but again this could have been a family or financial decision in the end, he may have sat down and said, look, to go over and play for Australia, eh, if I do my Achilles again, that's 
my rugby career done and no more seasons yep. in Japan, earning a million-ish dollars a year. It, there is, there's a lot at play, and as we said, communication is key and availability is the best ability, yep, as absolutely. the saying goes. Uh, and talking about availability is the best ability, where there is someone who will not be available for the Rugby World Cup and is a massive, yeah. massive loss for the host nation, France. Roman Nthamak will not be playing, done his ACL, um, which is terrible news. Like Again, as I said yeah. with Aaron Farrell, you want to beat the best players on the field. I want to see New Zealand beat the French team on that September 8th, September 9th, whenever it is. I think it's the 9th. Uh, first game of, the, of, of uh, the Rugby World Cup. I want to see us beat the best French team. Now, I won't get to see that because we'll beat the best French team without Roman Intimate. So at least we'll win. Um, yeah. But it's a, it is a massive loss. I, I definitely, it's definitely dropped them down a peg. I think people don't realise how important he is to this French team. And I um, watched, well, it was a while ago now, but the final between La Rochelle and, I get confused all the time, I think it was Toulon, may have been Toulouse, one of the two teams, um, for the French uh, Cup or French League. And he was just incredible in that game. And I go, man, this he, like, he is a world-class first five. So to lose that on the eve of the tournament is big, big news for the French. Yeah, yeah I can't help but feel uh, sorry for him uh, as well. But Totally. Uh, you never want to see this it is as what it a is. player. Uh, shall we discuss the drop-off that we all saw and witnessed? Um, it was quite clear that the Aussies took the, t- took the massive win here. Um, how good was those uh, uniforms, should we call them, yeah. on the way to the airport? Um, yeah. I don't know what the hats are called. You actually named them just before. What were they? A Cobras. A Cobras. A Cobra. Um, they were fantastic. I thought that is just awesome what, Eddie or whoever's just uh, it would have Eddie's mastermind would have come up with something like that. I yeah. think they looked fantastic. It was a great way to do it, um, and I was really impressed by that. All Blacks obviously have had their ones um, like they have a new one every year, and theirs had already been sorted. But I would love to see this from more teams um, mm. with some sort of like going away, leaving, not just the old polo mm. or anything like that. Like the All Blacks did do it, but it was a stylish looking um, jeans polo. Um, mm. Denim polo, should I say? But I would, I would love to see more teams, you know, like embrace that very and boy band look. Things. Who the All Blacks one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like so I'm looking at an image here of a uh, Bowden, Will Jordan, Geordie Barrett, and Big yeah. Boy. It's one of the props. Even the crew. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's a it nice, looks, and it looks like it looks like uh, Backstreet's back, baby. It, yeah, it's it's. I, I I don't mind the look. I like like it's something very different, but sticking to the black. Uh, obviously, yeah. in a, do we are we a rugby podcast or are we a fashion rugby podcast? Because right now we're a fashion rugby podcast, baby. Uh, I like the look, but the Aussies quite clearly. I don't know if anyone's oh. going to be able to outdo them. In it's, the it's a great look, department. and I love what they did with the going away uh, meetup, and also you know getting in touch with some. Uh, indigenous roots as well. You know, the time they spent in the Northern Territory, like actually there were a few shots of them like handling crocodiles and stuff like that. I'm like, hey, 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 whoa, you need your hands, right? You need your hands before, uh, you know, for this World Cup. Uh, and then in France, you know, uh, visiting the grave of William Tasker, who was a wallaby who lost his life during World War One. That's just kind of stuff that unites the team as well and uh, brings them together and fills them with uh, purpose. So, That's a reason, eh? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I love what the uh, Wallabies did there. Um, but to finish off our Australian rugby kind of discussions, because of all the news that's been dropping off, Australian rugby versus the women's team obviously came out two days ago yesterday. I don't, I'm not quite sure. But the rugby.com.au Instagram page shared a video of the WAGs getting flown over to France, and then this kicked up a storm because apparently Rugby Australia had paid for them. I haven't fully gone into the depths of the story. I'm not going to lie. I don't read up about the WAGs because then there were some rumours that actually know the partners of the team had paid for it. Um, do your own research. But it kicked off a conversation about women's rugby here and pay because of how successful the Matildas have been, how... Yeah limited the resources are for Australian women's rugby, like the head coach isn't even full-time, 
and how many coaches did Eddie Jones take to this Rugby World Cup was kind of like what they were getting at. And the fact that, I, again, I don't want to, I'm not a gossiper, but I'm going to drop what that has been said and come out. Apparently they were flown over on business class and what the girls were saying from the Wallaroos was they had to go to Canada on an eco- economy flight and World Rugby actually paid for that flight and all... Australian rugby would have had to do is upgrade them to business class if they wanted them in business class and said, no, we don't have the money. I've also seen more stories of like someone, uh, one of the players missing injury, missing work because of injury because they also have to have second jobs um, and only getting like $300 a week to make up for that. And it's just like, even when she asked for a bit more money to help out, Mm -hmm. said no. So look, if there's ever a time to to crack on and, and get a a better deal done, it's right now with with the success of the Matildas and showing off that women's sport can be highly successful and highly valuable. So hopefully the girls get a deal done and get some more money. I know I saw the latest headline was Rugby Australian Board and CEO or Chief was going to meet with the women's team and, um, yeah, I guess discuss everything that's going on. Yeah, look, if if there's going to be an advocate for this as well, Phil Wall will be up there for that, you know. Um, I'm sure... He, as a former player, will recognize the need for player financial security and conditions and things like that. And yeah, look, the Wallaroos definitely need better treatment than what they've received, especially if we want them to, you know, for if we want them to compete at that highest level, they need to be, uh, you know, they need to receive the funding and support to be able to play at that highest level. Um, so yeah, totally. Rugby Australia, this would be something that I would, at the moment, you know, this is the perfect time as well to make a positive move for women's rugby because we've seen the popularity of women's sport with the Women's World Cup. The NRLW continues to get bigger and bigger. The AFLW is a thing. Women's rugby is needs to take a step. Women's sport is in the spotlight right now. Get on it. Announce some big moves for women's rugby. Everyone's thinking about rugby now at the moment as well with the World Cup. So this is the perfect time to make some positive steps in that direction. You're receiving some great funding uh, in the near future because we're getting a World Cup. So spend some of that on the women's game and grow that as well because there's women's World Cups too and they can become massive events as well as we've seen with the Women's Football World Cup. Totally. Couldn't agree more. Or you can blow all your budget on rugby league players. Up to you, I guess. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I mean, the whole Suoliti thing, for me, is funny. Like a month ago, two months ago, Fox League is calling him, he's... Uh, a self-hyped, overhyped player, and it's like I, I had a had an Instagram comment that got liked by an uh, NRL player, basically calling them blowhards and saying they were the ones that told him he was. Uh, they were the ones that were saying he's going to be the next best thing. He's going to be the next immortal and whatnot. But as soon as rugby gets involved, now he's suddenly not wanted anymore. And then over the last month, as he's been playing better, as the whole Roosters team's been playing better because they've had a pretty ordinary year across the across the board, suddenly Fox League is. Suddenly silent on Suwili'i again and calling him a uh, terrible player. So, you know, well, I guess it's it's part of the uh, the Fox Sports agenda is to trash any sport that they're not a part of, that they totally. don't have the broadcasting rights to, especially one that they have ruined the game when they were broadcasting it. So, And I don't think Suwili'i will be the last. I think there will be a couple more signings before that World Cup. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting how this code war goes down. All right, two more points that I want to touch base on. Uh, I touched base quickly last podcast on the Springbok conspiracy with the squad yeah. naming. I've actually gone even deeper because there's been more like player movements. I know Japan dropped like two players out of their originally named squad. Um, Springbok's Andre Pollard is pretty much match fit from what I'm hearing and going to be in the squad and one of those halfbacks is going to drop out because the squad doesn't have to be formal formalised until... They land in Paris, apparently, or land in France and are in France. So whatever date, they're they're all expected to be in France. So I just sit here and go, why are we naming fucking squads? What's the fucking point? Like, yeah, I wouldn't have... Every team shouldn't have named a wider training squad of 40 players on this date or... Like, they... There was a date that they had to give 50 players' names, I read somewhere, that they had to give up 50 players' names that they expect to be in the squad. Um, So why don't we all get those... On the exact exact date that they had to put it in, yeah. those fifty players then would from, have avoided a lot of this Quay drama as well. Quay drama would have avoided this Andre Pollard and is he isn't he is he isn't he like like I don't know if this is now psychological warfare Who's by that? the Springboks. 
I won't say that. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I just to me this a mess again world rugby where we're getting there like we can sort this out but i honestly don't know if they could um you know run a piss up in a brewery i really don't sometimes because just just get the fucking squads right lads like it's not hard we all land on france on september 1st squad names you know come to us or they have to be input on august 31st and we're all in france for our team naming and team photos excellent done look Put me in fucking charge, all right? Bill Bermont or whatever his name is. Um, okay, and the last one. You're going to be taking the touch. place of South African legend Izzy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, nice, bud. Nice. <laughs> um, the last one I just wanted to touch base on because I thought this was really interesting. Because yeah. England are in this hole, I just went, what if we look at teams that have changed coaches in a World Cup cycle um and obviously england and australia are the two famous ones with eddie jones out eddie jones in eddie jones out steve borthwick and um and then we also had wales with piviak out and uh gatland in and then also romania new zealand coach was coached by a new zealander um he left last year at the end of last year um and was taken over by a romanian uh just believed he had taken them as far as he could so if we look at those teams, England. Uh, this is from this date all the way back until um, Borfuk took over. Have gone loss, win, loss, 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 win, win, loss. So in total, three wins. Two of those wins are against Wales. One win against Italy. Australia, four losses. Obviously, all high standard teams that they're playing against. Wales have gone loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, loss. Two wins, one against England, one against Italy. Romania have gone loss, loss, loss. All three very convincing losses after they'd qualified for um, the World Cup. So we've got 23 games between those four teams. Five wins, three being against each other and two being against Italy. So no team above 10 ranked in the world if you're taking away those wins against each other, Wales and England. And I just sit there and I go, if this isn't a... Call to arms, and the only team I'm really like, you fucked it, is England. Like, if this is not a shot, like, Australia made this decision quite clearly for the five years, gave Eddie Jones the five-year contract, hosting and all of that. So I'm not, like, sitting here with Australia that annoyed. Wales, Wales were in the dumps. I'm not that annoyed. I think they still should have left it. Um, but they were having their own issues and decided that they would pull the trigger sooner rather than later. Romania, own causes. England made the decision. England made yeah. the decision to get rid of Eddie Jones. For this World Cup. Exactly. This was the reason they did it. And if we haven't seen a bigger capitulation of a team before a World Cup than we are seeing of England, if England don't make it out of the group stages, let's say that this happens, they don't make it out of the group stages, there is going to be so many people on the chopping block, it's going to be ridiculous. Like, we're going to be able to go back to all those people that laughed at Clive Woodward, who's sitting there having a go at all his England players at the moment um, because of what they're doing, who wanted Eddie Jones out like no end, is going to be put in the firing line right on this podcast. There'll be a whole list of other names of people who just wanted Eddie Jones out, and now they've got what they put. Like, I can't wait... I, again, we're, we're the Anzac lads. I hope you I hope you blokes make the semi-final, but... Fuck me dead. I hate the Commonwealth at the moment. The English, I hope, I hope for for all that is good in this world that the English get knocked out in the group stage. I hope that they lose to Samoa. Imagine a tiny island of Samoa with Limosopawonga, former All Black, knocking them out of the World Cup. I just, yeah. I just dumb. It just looks dumb on everyone. Like, there's bigger pictures in mind. If Borfuk was your answer, let Eddie Jones coach to the end of this World Cup and then go... Yeah, cool, Eddie, you're done. But just to me, stupidity, absolute stupidity. And all of those teams, obviously in a rut, um, but very good chance that three of them could, two out of the three of them could end up in a semi-final. But they are all very lucky that they're on the easy side of the draw. I will say that. Final test this week before the Rugby World Cup. You've got Australia A against Portugal and Australia against France. I think that's the last last game that we will witness before the Rugby World Cup kicks off. Um, yeah. And we've got Springboks in Twickenham 
very interesting to see what sides are going to be named in that one in a battle of great rivals. But in Twickenham, sold-out crowd, it's going to be feisty, going to be really interesting. Um, anyone you expect to see rested? Anyone you're excited to see play? Do we think Max Jorgensen maybe makes an appearance? Obviously been off for a while. I think it'll be a lot of the second stringers. That's sort of what I would do is to is to test your depth a bit. That's what France did against uh, uh, Fiji. Uh, I would expect to see something similar uh, from Australia's point of view as well, just to get them some international experience. For like you brought it up last time, like a lot of these players are very inexperienced in a Wallabies jersey. So I'd, I'd be, I reckon a lot of the second stringers would get um, some some chances in this game. I think Carter Gordon, if he plays at all, will be wrapped in bubble wrap. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think they'll start him. I think they'll start Gordon. Um, yeah. But I think it's it's more about flow and cohesion than anything else. So I see a good 50, 60 minutes out of him. And like you said, Ben Donaldson on the bench would not be a surprise to many people, I think, now. But uh, I'm going to be fascinated to see what team he names, Eddie, because like you said, it could go what two ways. It could go second stringers or it could easily be Let's go and put our boys out there and we get a good look at the Aussies before the uh, World Cup even kicks off. But with four tough pool games here, it'll be interesting to see what he does. But we are, alas, one week closer. I think we're all 18-ish days away from Rugby World Cup. Um, So, you know, we're only two weeks away from being here on this podcast, making our predictions. It's going to be... It's so close you can just taste it. It's going to be exciting. You totally the, can. the games are at terrible times, but it's going to be exciting. Yes, 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 yes. But we will probably be getting up early in the morning to watch some of them. At least I will be watching that France one. I can guarantee that. Um, who do you kick off your World Cup against? A tough one, isn't it? Is it Georgia? Uh, I believe it is Georgia. Let me find that for you. That'll be a good game. I'll, I'm going to watch that. I'm going to wake up and watch that. I uh, we play Georgia at 2 a.m. I don't actually don't. I, I'm the only poor game I'm going to miss of yours is Romania. Uh, not Romania, Portugal. I think it, it depends if Portugal how they perform against Australia, a. Eh? But I, your poll's just so fascinating to me. I just I yeah. can't wait to. So watch we that play record. we play Georgia at 2 a.m. Then we play Fiji at 1:45 a.m. And then we play <laughs> Wales at 5 a.m. Wales at 5 a.m. is alright. 5 a.m. is alright. It's the, the one and two o'clocks are going to kill me. Alrighty, prepare for a big month. All right, you have been listening to the sports spoof slash that rugby podcast. Uh, thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back again next week, but for now, au revoir. Goodbye.